Podcast where we take you on a time hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. So we continue, of course, on our journey through the 2010s. Um, we are now in 2013 to talk about Stranger by the Lake. I am your host Dave, and your other host is Manish. Manish, uh, are you are you ready for this? Are you are you of age enough to talk about Stranger by the Lake? Um. Barely. I mean, this is going to be queer now after dark, right? Yes, so. it really, really is. Well, we're going to get hot and heavy. <laughs> That's right. But before we get into the movie, like, let's talk a little bit about 2013 in terms of the LGBT movies that were out. So there is one... There's one really big one that we're not covering uh, because we're not piggish men, uh, which is Blue is the Warmest Color, um, which actually I've seen and I think is a very good movie, especially if you take out the like random 25 minute explicit sex scene that is clearly filmed for straight men. Uh, because honestly, if you ever want to hear a good laugh, uh, just mention Blue is the Warmest Color to any lesbian and they will laugh long and loud about that movie. Uh, and then I guess the other big one is Behind the Candelabra. Uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh with uh, Matt Damon and Michael Douglas. Um, that's one I have not seen, but uh, one of our mutual friends, Matt, just cannot believe I haven't seen it. Uh, and it's like the greatest movie ever, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's very good. Uh, and then Dallas Buyers Club, which I cannot stand, so there is no way we were covering Dallas Buyers Club on the show because uh, I would veto that even if you wanted to talk about it. So kind of a lot going on in 2013. There's actually a lot of options. Yeah. So that's I don't know. It's do you feel like that's just chance or like things are actually going in the right direction? Like, how do you view the fact that, you know, there are more known gay and queer films in 2013? I mean, I don't want to say it's chance, right? Because that's kind of a flippant dismissive answer. But um, I do think that there's certainly, you know, I think within this decade is, you know, as we see, you know, um, more calls for diversity, more um, more focus on marginalized perspectives. I think you know queer cinema as a part of that, and that you know just with the natural raising of voices, you know more stories like this are popping up. So I think it's definitely a part of a um, you know part of a movement where like a like movies like this are becoming more financially viable because they get more traction, you know, over the, across the globe. I mean, like mm-hmm. we saw with Blue Swim's Color, that we definitely crossed, mm-hmm. um, you know, cross borders, uh, for better or worse. But even <laughs> a movie like Stranger by the Lake, you know, definitely is a movie that got crossover appeal and, you know, and even a movie like Dallas Buyers Club and... I mean, that um, got Oscar, you know, wins and Yeah, won, it won three Oscars, yeah. yeah. Um, best actor, best supporting actor, best makeup, so... Uh, and hairstyling. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's... Maybe there's not more, you know, in terms of volume, but there's definitely more notice and more, like, spotlight. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we always kind of want to talk about, like, were there actual queer people in the making of this movie? And the director, God, these French names, this is killing me, Manish. Uh, Elaine Gouradi, I don't know how to pronounce that name, uh, is openly gay, the director. So we do actually Hello. have a, a queer voice uh, behind the camera um, for a queer story in front of the camera. So that is... Uh, it's very good that we're actually getting that from someone who is not straight. Um, so that's, yeah, that's that's really. Did you um, did you get any information on the actors? I couldn't find anything concrete. Yeah, yeah, it's so hard because like, and that's the hard thing about like, unless someone is openly queer, like you don't want to make yeah. assumptions. Like maybe maybe these two actors yeah. are gay. I don't know. You might assume they were by some of the things that were happening on screen, but they did use body doubles. For those scenes, so <laughs> not necessarily. So don't get too excited. Uh, but I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure we will get into that as we talk about the movie because oh, it yes, is, we will. it's kind of unavoidable. Um, but in terms of in terms of the story, it, it's really interesting. This movie is really interesting to me because I'd say the first half just kind of feels like a queer hookup romance movie. Yeah, um, where it's just like you know, it's a little bit like cruising, right? All these you know, gay or questioning men go to this lake and go hook up in the woods. Like that is what this place is. And then randomly, seemingly in the middle of the movie, a dead body is found, and then it becomes a thriller, right? Out of nowhere, it becomes like, did this guy did this guy hooked up with kill this person? Is this is this other guy that I'm friendly with? Did he kill him? Is it some random person? And it's about like figuring out that mystery. So it becomes like. Like a straight up thriller for the last forty five minutes, which is I think a really interesting way because a lot of thrillers kind of like they just give you like a little opening, uh, like ten fifteen minutes of normalcy, and then all the shit goes down. And this I feel like right. it really takes its time. Uh, which so when that because I didn't know anything about this movie going in, I knew the name of it and I knew that it you know it was well thought of. And that's kind of it. Right. So I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, didn't know I was getting into graphic gay sex. It didn't know I was getting into a murder mystery. So it was just kind of like, oh, okay. This took me by surprise in kind of a nice way. Um, but it's definitely not your standard. But I will say uh, this movie looks beautiful. And a lot of that is probably because of the cinematographer. Um Claire Mathon. She also you know, did the cinematography for Atlantix and um, – and Portrait of a Lady on Fire this year, just like it's just some stunning, stunning shots in this movie. So, but besides all that, Manish, what do you you we were talking? You said like I don't even know how I feel about Stranger by the Lake. So where are you now on 2013 Stranger by the Lake? Where am I now? So I just watched it um, over the weekend. So okay, you were saying how this movie kind of changes tone about halfway through, but I kind of felt the first half was a little more sinister than I remembered it. And mm. I think it's because of the sort of stark cinematography. I mean, it, mm. it's um, not a lot of camera movements. It seems, seems very still at times, you know, you kind of have these like static shots and, you know, even this sort of like idyllic, you know, spot where these like beautiful men are just lying around naked or going to the woods and just finding each other, and where it's sort of, it just feels almost like too perfect in a way. Mm-hmm. And 
that kind of, you know, um, creeped me out a little because this mm. felt like there's so much sexual energy and that it almost has to be translated into something or, or almost could be exploited into something sinister. And then I'm, I was thinking a lot about Hitchcock, you know, with this film because his films often turned on like that sort of halfway point, mm-hmm. you know, um, into something else. Like, you know, thinking about like Psycho and the birds, especially and Vertigo, where you just have these, you know, like movie changing events that happen and how, you know, especially like the birds, I think starts as sort of this like romantic comedy, romantic melodrama. Mm-hmm. And then turns into horror. This movie kind of becomes this sort of like, you know, or it starts with this sort of like erotic kind of fantasy romance thing. And that not fantasy is in like genre, but just like the, the fantasy of like being in this place, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or you can like fulfill your fantasies. Um, and then turning into this like murder mystery that's sort of ironically charged. And I also thought about Hitchcock, you know, because he had this quote that I can't remember where he said it or how he said it, but he said he films his love scenes like murder scenes and his murder scenes like love scenes. And mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to me that that thought just like rang through my head this entire film because it's basically like that taken to the most literal and extreme in this movie yeah that's a that's it's interesting because i i didn't have that feeling of danger the only the only feeling i had of danger in the first half of this movie is just like anytime there's a movie about hookups there's like a there's a palpable sense of danger right this is hooking up with a total stranger you don't know if they can overpower you if they want to do something sinister and but that registers like as almost like a kink in itself, right? That, right. That extra level of like I don't even know this person's name. I don't know if they have a weapon. I don't know what's going on, but I'm attracted to them, and something's going to happen. And I and so that risk I think heightens the sexuality of the movie and heightens the yeah. the power of that of the lust, of, especially of the first half of this movie. And I think what it does a really good job of is despite the fact that like all this sex, especially the beginning, it's mostly anonymous. You understand why these characters are falling for one another, even though like they, they don't know anything about each other's lives. All they know is the moments that they share next to this lake. But I still think there are moments where you're like, yeah, but I get it. Like these two really attractive guys, they have a physical connection they have some conversations. Like, it's not like they just run in the woods and fuck and then never speak. You know, you have that scene where they're like talking next to his car. And like, it's all, it does feel rushed in the sense, in that sense. But like, I don't know. Have you ever been in a relationship ever? That first, the first couple weeks, man, everything they do is the best thing ever. Everything is great. Everything is sexy. Right. Everything is amazing. And I think it really captures that feeling. And it was really interesting to me because I thought maybe that's what this whole movie is going to be about. Like, you know, it's going to break his heart. He's going to have to move on. And then, like, when it does turn on that dime, I did feel a little bit like what viewers of Psycho must have felt like when the lead character, I mean, spoilers for a movie from forever ago, but, like, when your lead character is murdered in, like, the first 30 minutes and then it, like, takes a turn with completely other characters and i was just like oh 
this is not what I expected at all. Because it kind of lulls yeah. you into it where you did mention the setting is completely idyllic. It looks gorgeous. Everyone, pretty much everyone in the movie looks beautiful and perfect. And, you know, and you get wrapped up in the two people and then you have the unsimulated sex scenes, which I just read originally was going to have the actors do it. But then they decided like, ah, I'm not comfortable doing that. So yeah, they, right. they hired body doubles, which is fine. But it is like, it is one of those movies that makes me realize like just how American I am. Because I'm like, I was like taken aback by this. Like I was like, oh, 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 we're doing, we're doing this because we can't even, we can't even show an erect penis on screen in America right. and get a movie made. Whereas like in other countries, it's like you know, not that every French movie is going to have unsimulated sex, but you shouldn't be surprised if you're watching a movie made in Europe. And there's actual nudity, both male and female. And that's something our kind of puritanical American overlords are kind of like, no, 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 none of that now. So it was very shocking to have that moment. But I also think those sex scenes are there for a reason, unlike the aforementioned blue is the warmest color. And you, right. we kind of, we kind of talked about this off, off air. You had mentioned, I think that it like feels like a power struggle. Uh, which I found right. really interesting considering where the second half of the movie goes because it does become a movie of secrets and a movie of darkness and a movie of power between these two men and fear. And it just like – to me, the movie just takes this hard right turn but like for me in a really good way. Sometimes a movie takes a hard turn and you're like, um, excuse me, this does not make sense anymore. I don't like this. But this actually does because of the anonymity of these men with one another. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, for me, it's, like, that, see, like, this is why it's hard for me to articulate about this movie, because it's just so, like, so much to think about and unpack the film, but I, I think, like, what I find so fascinating about this movie is this sort of idea of power, right, and, like, how, um... And how everything is almost a negotiation, right? So, like, you know, we say, like, this movie is about people who just, like, hook up, but it, and it's that, but it's also, like, about, you know, people also setting boundaries, right? So, there's a scene where he's with someone who, you know, won't let him perform oral sex, you know, without a condom, or, you know, the fact there's that one guy that just seems to, only show up to like masturbate while watching these people Mm -hmm. and it's like it's sort of this thing of like you know yes you can do this no you can't do that and how that that negotiation and that sort of discussion about you know about you know like what is acceptable what's not is is sort of emblematic of this film towards the end of how it also relates to you know, a power struggle between the two main characters, Michelle and Frank. Mm -hmm. Frank wants to, like, meet outside of the beach and start something outside. And, you know, Michelle kind of, you know, shoots that down. And Michelle starts to become more desperate for Frank because of, you know, what he might suspect, what he might not suspect. So... I think that, like, this whole movie is about power and sort of the erotic thrill of power. And I think that, like, what makes this movie so erotic isn't so much, like, you know, graphic nudity and very extreme sex scenes, but just about, like, 
the, the sort of sexuality of power and how people can give it and take it and, you know, want it and, you know, need it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I also think one of the things that really hit me as far as what this movie is about is placing all of our hopes and our romance on one person and how dangerous that can be. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't think there's anything about Michelle uh, that makes him necessarily a good partner uh, for Frank, except maybe that he's hot uh, and they have a yeah. good sex life. Um, and I like the fact that you also have this character of Henri, um, who's this older man who usually just like sits alone at the beach um, and is, is friends with Frank. And they kind of have this, they have this wonderful discussion about intimacy and about like, the idea of sleeping with someone without sleeping with them, right? Laying down with yeah. them and having comfort with them without having sex. And it's like, it feels like, you know, before all the murder, all that icky stuff, uh, Frank, if you could have the combination of two people, if he could have Michelle and Henri in one person, that would be the perfect person for yeah. him. But he knows he can't have that. And he knows that, you know, Henri maybe is not up to his physical standards. Um, and as you know, is maybe not quote unquote all the way gay. Um, so he puts all of this hope on Michelle and continues to lie to himself about who Michelle is to the point of like, you know, the death of Henri and maybe risking his own life. I find it really interesting that the end of this movie is Michelle chasing Frank after he has murdered two people. I mean, three people in total, but two people that night. Uh, Yeah. And he hides from him, of course. And at the very end, Frank calls out to him. So that power struggle that he's losing, that focus on sex, that – I mean, I wouldn't even call it love, but that obsession with him. Yeah. I mean – Definitely obsession. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what happens at the end of the movie, but our lead character may well have like essentially – committed suicide just to be with Michelle. And that is like, I mean, there's a lot in this movie I like. Uh, That's one of them. And it was very shocking to me when he stood up and called out his name. And I mentioned the cinematography earlier. And one of the things I love so much about it is how much this movie dares to do in the dark. And I don't mean like the shadow, but I mean the dark where like you have to like literally can't see anything you have to like you're like oh is that a shoulder like you have to like squint to see and this is essentially what the lake is for all these men it's the place to do things in hiding that no one else can see and of course as the movie goes on it gets darker and darker and darker both in tone and in actual look and i just love the kind of visual language that's that's on display here like this is this is really impressive stuff it might not be a movie that's for everybody but like if it's if it's in your wheelhouse like this is this is the good stuff i really i really love this movie i think it's great uh but it is a lot to take in for sure yeah and like i want to um i really want to emphasize just like the sort of theme of obsession because you know frank is he's kind of a naive little 
Lamb, right? Yes. I mean, he has a very baby face. Mm-hmm. He kind of comes to this beach and like falls for this like very macho guy with a very like pronounced mustache. Yes, the sort of validation that he gets from Michelle is so intoxicating that he can. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say that he like accepts the like you know, the um, sort of more bad, harmful elements of Michelle, but it's more that he is quickly eroticizing the sort of danger that Michelle brings. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like when he's watching Michelle murder that first guy, what was his name? He has a very French name that not, I could not, like, um, I cannot remember or pronounce, but it's almost as if he's watching something erotic, not scary. And I find, like, you know, as someone who loves Arvid Hitchcock, the sort of marriage of sex and death always fascinate me in, in movies like this. And I feel like this movie is, like, the sort of, like, literal example of that, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why, like, the ending is so beautiful to me, because it's sort of that pull of, like, you know, the ultimate, like, sort of, like, ultimate orgasm is death. Mm-hmm. in this to to Frank in a way in that like that's when he can fully a- achieve being in Michelle's control mm-hmm. and it reminded me of um, this Amadomar film Matador of course it did which is also <laughs> yeah you see Matador no no I'm saying of course it did because it's Amadomar like it is your right it's yeah <laughs> your wheelhouse for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know that's the movie that two people who are you know death obsessed and they are turned on by death and um, you know like one is a uh, female matador who makes love to people then murders them at the height of her orgasm and the other is a former matador who was injured and is now um, you know kind of murdering people as well so and they find each other and you know all hell breaks loose but like i mean they have a very uh romantic cat like romantic and erotic cat and mouse game until they find each other and it's a very uh almost beautiful way and i think stranger by the lake has a sort of similar um similar theme to it and like that's why i find it such an uh, hard movie to talk about because it's more guttural, more elemental than just like something like it's that you can like talk articulate through, you know, things because it's just like there's really no there's no logical rhyme or reason why any of this happens, right? Like there's no motive for any of the murders. I mean, well, there's motive for like the last murders because those are like you know, you know, protective of the secret, but like the initial murder, there's really no stated motive except you can sort of glean it from context and you can make your guesses, but um, there's like nothing concrete. And, you know, Frank's obsession with Michelle, there's no reason for it, except it's just this like intense attraction to like the danger, sinister macabre, you know, relationship that they have. 
Yeah, you also bring up, you brought up this really interesting point about the look of our two characters. And it's something that I really, yeah. I'm really not sure I put together until you said it out loud. Cause I remember one of the things I thought while I was watching this movie is like, I'm not a fan of the mustache on men. Uh, but yeah. as soon as, as soon as he showed up, I was like, Oh, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, I, hello. <laughs> and, I, and I think a lot of that is because of Frank. Like, he both of the men who he is involved with sexually at all are very butch, very masculine, um, a lot of facial hair. And he, as you mentioned, is such a baby face. And like, even though not even just his look, but the way he interacts with everyone in this movie is very innocent. Um, even when he's talking to Henri, he's just like kind of like almost almost childish in in the way he sees the world and doesn't doesn't see the complexity of what's going on. And I think it's the same thing when he starts his relationship uh, with Michelle is that he doesn't see what's going on or worse. He like actively ignores it because there is a scene where he sees him and this other guy in the water and it looks really bad. But then like, you know, as the cops start to show up, he defends him and, you know, helps him hide and is like, seems unsure of who actually did this until until he finds Henri's body. And then of course it's yeah. like, okay, now it's now it's real. But I find it interesting that he is a character that for me, just given what's on the page, would be very easy to despise. Like kind of like, open your eyes, you idiot. Get it together. But as you watch it, you totally get it. Like if you've ever been head over heels for someone, the lies, the lies that we tell ourselves to make them seem okay, even if they're clearly toxic, like we do this all the time. Of course, this is an extreme version, right? Hopefully we are not falling head over heels for people who are slitting people's throats. Let's hope that. Um, I mean. <laughs> in most cases, I think we can say that. But like you you totally get it. You get why he is into him and you get why he goes along for yeah. the ride. And still – by the end of the movie, like it is, it is an erotically charged moment that last sequence. But it's also like to me, like wildly depressing. <laughs> that like he, yeah. he finally escapes and like okay, now you're in the dark. You can get away. You can get away from this lake and literally never come back here, please. You have seen way too much death. And then they like rip that hope away from you with that last line where he just calls out his name, and it's just like oh no. Yeah. And I also find it really interesting. We talked about the darkness of the cinematography, and I think I just realized I don't think there's any darkness until that midway point, until the point after that first death. Everything yeah, else is like, bright and happy and yeah. in the sun. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, this is a change in more ways than one. I guess maybe I'm just, like, trained to, like, find sinister and, like, bright sunshine. <laughs> maybe you're just really negative, Manish. <laughs> What is wrong with you? <laughs> Jesus, look at the sun. Because it's beautiful I'm, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like what I find very beautifully made about this movie is it's like sort of sense of repetition in the first half of the film. Like it's you know you start with the, all the cars parked and then um, then it goes to the beach where he talks to Henri and then there's like the um then there's sort of like the looking and then the following to the forest and then the sex and so i think and that kind of happens every day and it's it's and it's like really not until you're right like the 
good point when we see that sort of like dusk twilight time mm-hmm. you know murder and like um i also find like beaches very creepy at night because it's like a place where like you only go during the day oh sure and it's like well it's like the waters are calm and like it's like all that's sort of left on the beach is like the memories of the day like footprints and like mm-hmm. so i find i find beaches at night to be a little creepy so like that's why when like the movie starts to spend more and more time in the evening there it starts mm. to get more scary for me not scary but like unnerving. yeah 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 i can see that i just i just have to laugh that you call this a beach uh it's just like <laughs> this lake bed just covered in rocks <laughs> it's a beach <laughs> but yeah i think you're right i think there is something <laughs> unnerving about that dust time and you kind of referenced it that not only not only is it a place you're supposed to be during the day but like all proof of everything gets washed away with the water you know and that's a perfect setting for like a murder thriller movie which is essentially what this becomes and you know I am glad that, I don't know, maybe I haven't watched enough Hitchcock or watched enough of these thrillers, but I'm so glad that I was, like, taken by surprise halfway through the movie, where apparently you're sitting around watching Stranger by the Lake, like, within five minutes, like, oh, somebody's gonna fucking die. I know it. (laughs) This is just bad. Whereas I was like, this is nice. They seem happy together. This is great. (laughs) Interesting, because, like, I felt like they're... Like, the sex scenes in this movie and sort of the interactions, like, I don't know if I found them romantic, more, like, just erotic and somewhat desperate. Yes. And very aggressive. So, yeah, it's not... Yeah, and aggressive, which is why, like, sure, I mean, I would love to go to a certain lake, not a beach, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm from the East Coast, okay, we... I haven't seen the beach. Yeah, you don't either. have real beaches there. That doesn't we don't have real count. beaches here. We yeah. have man-made beaches. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like, it might be fun to, like, you know, be in the setting, but also might it just feels very... Like, I think because of this whole, um, like, uh, clen- not clandestine, what's another word for that? Like, um, this... Because these are guys who, like, either can't do this out in the open or, like, in their normal lives and have to come to this spot to, like, cruise, that, to me, has a more sinister, mm-hmm. not sinister, but, like, a more dark yeah, element to it than mm-hmm. just, you know, and it's, like, like, like you were saying, like, all anonymous sex has its own set of dangers, whether it's, like, being beat up or um, infected with an STI or, you know, the HIV virus, like, whatever it is, like, um, and then, of course, like, the extreme of that is getting murdered. I mean... (laughs) I think that counts as extreme. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think that that sort of element of that is that, like, you're really with... You're being very intimate with people who you don't know and Mm -hmm. can't honestly trust except... 
you kind of have to trust them because that's like why you're there. Right. That's to me is where the sinister part comes from, even in sort of your fantasy part the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think looking back on it, that's the, I joke, but that stuff is definitely there looking back yeah. on it. And especially like it just came to my mind that like, you know, the first sexual encounter our lead character, Frank, almost has you know, this man says, like, no, I'm not going to do that without a rubber. I'm not going to do that without right. protection. And I find it so interesting that instead of, like, you know, I don't know, leaving and getting condoms or coming back the next day, he falls into a quote-unquote bed, I guess, into the forest um, with with Michelle. Owl and, whatever. And, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, he basically says, like, are you okay with, you know, that I don't have a condom? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So he, like, he is purposefully being risky like even though he is the baby face he seems the most innocent he's still doing some really really risky stuff not just being with a stranger which is risky enough but having someone tell you like oh maybe you should use a condom because it's safe and he's like nah i don't think i want to do that Uh, you know and i'm just like oh wow and so looking back on it he is for the entire film aside from maybe when he's speaking with Henri, he is courting danger throughout and it's obviously especially at the end i mean courting danger to the ultimate extreme in that like right. you know i don't know if he's gonna fuck me or kill me or both but something's gonna happen here you know so right. so it's interesting that that stuff and and that's the mark of a great movie to me a great script to me is that when you think about it later like oh actually all the breadcrumbs are here like this character is into the danger into the risk and he has been from the very beginning it's not just that he ended up having sex with the wrong guy. That certainly did not help. But he is putting himself in a really risky, scary situation. Even if this wasn't like a murder thriller, it's still a, a bad situation for him to be in. I want to switch gears and talk about Henri a little. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's probably my favorite character. I think it's the best part of the, the movie. Film, or at least... I don't yeah. think it's close. Like, and yeah. the, the reason why this movie works so well, um, because you've mentioned earlier that, you know, like, on, like if Henri and Michelle can morph into one person, that's what Frank wants. And did you get a sense that Henri was attracted to Frank and, but just was rejected by him? Because I honestly couldn't tell, you know, whether that, because there, there's that one part where um, they're talking about like um, wanting someone or not being wanted by someone. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of an awkward silence, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, is this sort of that unspoken thing of like Henri's like, hey, I like you, and Frank's like, well, you're not, you're not my type. I mean, right? Yeah, I yeah, think. God I, forbid. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. God forbid you see be with someone who's not like a male ideal. It's, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I think it's there. Um, I think it's very underplayed in like the best of ways. Um, yeah. Because they, they talk about that intimacy. And they also like – there's a moment where Henri says something to the effect of, and you don't want to be with me, right? And he gets his response and he's like, okay, I was right. So it's like – it's one of those like kind of like – I'm sure we've all done this where you've like half put it out there. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't like someone like me, would you? No? Okay, cool. That's what I thought. You know, and that that seems to be the moment that's happening there. But I also love that even though he is, you know, shut down, essentially, in that moment, he doesn't stop being Frank's friend at any point. Yeah. Like, to the point where he puts his life in danger and loses his life to help Frank. 
um, in this horrible situation because yeah. he's the one who is viewing all this from a distance, usually by himself. So he's able very easily to put things together because he kind of, you know, he's kind of this all seeing and just sits on his rock off on the side, kind of checks everything out and notices everything. And he's very sharp. But I definitely think there is an attraction. Um, I think on, I think Henri is attracted to Franck both emotionally and physically. And Franck is only attracted to him emotionally. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is like, it's interesting because it's a very sad interaction, but it, it's not played for to like be heart wrenching in any way. It's just kind of like, well, shit happens. It's kind of a that's fact of, it it's kind right. of a fact of life. It is what it is. And I really like the way that's played. And I think it's interesting that you could even ask, do you think there's an attraction there? And I think it's a valid question. I'm not saying that like, oh God, how could you not know if there was an attraction? What I'm saying is, is like, it's so subtle and um, yeah, I mean, I, is I so subtle. Asked. You could, you could back away from it and be like, well, maybe he's not. Cause he's not really, he's not pressuring it at all. He is keeping his distance. Even in the beginning when they're talking about, oh, like you're actually gay. Like, oh, I know most guys, you know, have girlfriends or wives and come here and, you know, so he's kind of always testing the waters and never really willing to like really dive into it. And just like, it's almost like he knows the truth. So he's not going to, he's not going to bother putting himself out there. Yeah. Like I, my, um, I think my like hesitation on reading it as like a straight, like I'm attracted to you, but you reject me kind of thing is like, he doesn't seem interested in cruising. at all. No. Nor, and he also in, in some ways positions himself as someone who's just like there just to talk. I mean, he mentions how, like, if he goes to the other side of the, the lake um, and tries to talk to people, he's like, well, people think that's weird, but here everyone talks to strangers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm thinking, like, you know, maybe I, I can't remember if he said he ever had any. Um, uh, attraction to men. Well, he had, I know he mentioned the wife. In the very beginning, he's talking about him and his wife, like essentially like having group sex um, with, okay, uh, right, right, with another right. guy. So it's like that kind of half, half there, half not. Yeah. Like, that kind of yeah. like, I'm not really gay. I just fuck dudes when my wife is there. It's just like, okay. Man. Right. <laughs> I mean, we all do that. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, who among us? <laughs> I guess, like, for me, it's, like, I don't know. I don't want this to be, like, you know, too didactic on my end, but it just seems like kind of an easy way to establish that, like, you know, Franck uh, is trying – that Franck is um, – looking for an emotional connection but not a sexual one with someone who looks like the exact opposite of Michelle. You know what I yeah. mean? Like Yeah. It's kind of like an easy dichotomy there that I th- I want to give more credit to and say that it's something a little bit more nuanced than that. But also like I think you're mostly correct. Yeah. And I, mean, I think I- I'm probably I'm probably reaching because like <laughs> You know, gotta shout out the big boys out there. Who, yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I think that's purposeful. I mean, I think that yeah. the visual aspect of it is there. But I right. also like the fact that, you know, because there are scenes where Henri is clothed and scenes where he's, like, got his shirt off. And I like the fact that they don't hide 
his body. Yeah. You know, like right. that, that would be, you know, you make that movie in America, that guy's always wearing a long t-shirt, you know, like, oh, let's right. not, let's not, you know, infringe upon the eyes of our audience with someone who is not. Well, not just that, ideal. but like, I feel like an American version of this movie. I mean, we can talk about how horrible that would be. Oh, God. Um, but like an American version of this movie would also be, make it more explicit that like, hey, you're too fat for me. And I only like guys with six packs. Right. Like that, like that, I guess that to me is like the unspoken thing that I appreciate about that yeah. relationship because like, even if, you know, that is, explicitly there which i'm not convinced it is but it's so like it's told more through body language and like unspoken than like the more like insulting thing of like hey you know i know you like me but like i only sleep with guys with this body type or whatever yeah yeah i do like i do like that it's unspoken um yeah so in terms of that that famous russo test um clearly this film contains more than one character that is identifiably gay. Um, but then the second part, the character must not be solely or mostly defined by their orientation or gender identity. And I think, I think this meets that because I think what the Russo test is, is talking about is like that kind of stereotype. And I think we have kind of yeah. types of gay men here, uh, which is nice. Uh, yeah. And then, Third, the LGBT character must be tied into the plot in a way that their removable their removal would have a significant effect, and I think that's definitely true. So I think it's it's interesting applying this test to like it's not a nice way to put this, but like full on queer movies with like all the characters are queer, right? It's not like oh this yeah. is just the queer character put in as a as a joke, right? This whole story yeah. is it's unavoidably queer. Uh so I think this definitely passes that test. And I don't think you can make this movie where Frank is a woman. And it's just, I, I, mean, I think I mean I think you even, can make it, but it changes everything. It's a totally different right, movie. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think there's a certain level of aggression oh okay this is gonna sound so stupid (laughs) so i can cut if it sounds stupid because i feel like it probably will but like there's a certain level of like aggressiveness in how men have sex with each other especially men within that sort of like body demographic where um especially in the cruising Scenario. Uh, that's does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, I just it does. Don't think yeah. Straight, I don't think straight people have that kind of um, like relationship or that even that kind of outlet for right. a sort of like cruising hookup thing. I mean, I really don't think they do. So yeah, because I think I think that this, like yeah, there's like this there's this extra level of aggression in anonymous gay sex that there's not in straight sex because yeah, <laughs> straight sex isn't like outlawed either by actual law or by right. by the culture at large yeah so there's not yeah. that like oh my god i gotta get this out of my system like i just gotta fuck this out of me right and it's just like it's different you know it's not better it's not worse but there is that certain level of power dynamic I mean, I, and aggression I guess, that goes into it. i guess michelle's like a femme fatale so maybe yeah a little bit there's like you could like a movie like jade or Fatal, not fatal attraction, but actually, yeah, maybe fatal attraction to an element. I guess there's some of that there, but still, like, I think that yeah, this movie has this specific script has to be about gay men, and it's like specifically 
those like muscular types, I think. Right. That brings up a really interesting thing too, that like, as I was watching this movie, I found myself surprised uh, that Michelle in the sex scenes kind of ended up as the bottom in this relationship. Cause he's like very yeah. masculine and like domineering in their interactions. So I thought that was a nice twist here, you know? So you- but maybe that's why his aggression, you know, uh, becomes murder because it's like, hmm. He in his psyche, he can't take being the penetrated one. Oh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. But and that, I, you know, I thought of it like <laughs> I, I thought of it because you mentioned him as a femme fatale, and I was like, yeah, kind of. He kind of yeah. is. And then it hit me that like, oh, he's like this masculine ideal, right? He's got the mustache. He's got the muscles. He's very comfortable with where he is. And then he, as you mentioned, is the one getting penetrated, which is something as I was watching the movie Power that really surprised yeah. me. I was like, oh, and you could tell a gay man yeah. made this because I t- I'm telling you, if this was by a straight director, there's no way. Oh, that yeah. Frank could be like a moaning, screaming bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. one, what, oh, just geez. one more reason why it's important to have queer voices behind the camera in movies right. like this so it's definitely good so yeah. Manish, what do you think what do you think you've learned now about queer cinema or about anything else from watching stranger by the lake i need to take a trip to france a, <laughs> um, <laughs> in a meta way like it's still uncomfortable for me to see you know gay men have sex in like a not in like a film that's even one that's like not in the English language, like even I'm more used to it with like French or Spanish or Italian film, like it's still so uncomfortable for me in a way that's like, it's not the nudity. Cause like, I really don't have a problem with nudity. I think it's just like, I don't want to call this representation for me because like, this is not my life at all, but no, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, you know, Michelle is here actually next to me. Um, no, but like it to me, it's like um, I can't. I really have to like make myself comfortable with it because like I I can't tell if it's um, my own internalized homophobia that's still kind of kicking around here and there, and I'm just like oh like. Whereas like I would I definitely would not feel this way about you know like a lesbian sex scene, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, but I think it's something that I need to like. I mean, work on with myself. Although I don't think there are many movies like Stranger by the Lake. No. Um, in terms, I mean, at all, but especially in terms of like sort of the severe sexual content. And I think that like it's really striking to me how much can be conveyed through sex scenes. I mean, this is something similar with like the handmaiden, which we'll talk about in a couple episodes and how like, you know, you look at that and you're thinking like, okay, these sex scenes are just there to like arouse the audience and have served no purpose thematically or narratively. But then it's like, they actually do, especially this movie and especially um, the handmaiden. Mm-hmm. And so how to like lean like meaning and themes from sex scenes, which is something that I, th- mm-hmm. I don't think Americans are trained to do at all. No. So that's something that I, I took away from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. How about, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of like, you know, some level of discomfort with, with the sex scenes. And I think, you know, yeah. some of it of course could be the internalized stuff, but some of it also is that generally speaking, film has been made for the straight male gaze. 
Yeah. Right. Which is why, like, we don't even blink when there's a lesbian scene, really. Unless maybe it's blue is the warmest color and it goes on for like a half hour and you're like, what are we? You like have to blink because it's so yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so we're not used to seeing a lot of ma- like we've talked offline about this, how we're not used to seeing the male body in general uh, as something other than comical. Um, so that yeah. that takes away that that's not even about sexuality. That's just about the male form. So to see this in such an explicit way, I did have a moment where I'm like, I have never seen anything like this outside of pornography. Like right. the fact that this is in a narrative film is kind of like, oh my god! Like what did I what did I get into here? So I had just to like comfort you a little bit. I had that very similar reaction to it. And I think that's a, that's a very common reaction, especially for American filmgoers for sure. Um, I was really glad that we got to a full on queer movie that wasn't a coming out story. Uh, I mean, some of these characters are not out at all. I mean, they're, (laughs) they have girlfriends or wives at home and they're coming out to the lake. Um, and it was nice to see like a like this movie is unapologetically queer, but it's not totally about queerness, right? It's like it's couched in this kind of murder mystery thriller. And I like the fact that we can have queer movies that fit into other genres because the other movies we did, Beginners and Pariah, are very clearly like coming out story. And Paranorman is like queer coded for our main character. And yeah. then the side character, you just kind of throw it in. So this was the first one that felt like outside of that genre of, quote unquote, the gay movie, right? This feels right. like you can make a murder mystery with straight people, right? Um, and it, so it's nice to see this kind of like do something a little bit different with that. Like use, you know, queer characters and a queer story to to make a genre picture, which you don't you don't yeah. see so much. Right. Because usually it's like, well, this is a gay story about gay things and we're going to talk about gay stuff. And this is like, OK, these are gay characters. They're engaging in gay activity. But this is really about obsession and about murder and about darkness. So I really like that we kind of branched out a little bit in our queer in our queer films, because I think sometimes when you're like, let's look at the one gay film from that from that year, it would be really easy to do something like Dallas Buyers Club. Right. Or, yeah. or, you know, or, you know, behind the candelabra or whatever, you know, so it's nice to get something just a little bit off center to, to do on this. So that was that was really exciting for me to see something different here so early in our show. Yeah, I mean, I definitely that's an interesting point that I had thought about is that this is like a genre movie that just happens to be queer. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that is it for this episode. So, Manish, uh, do you know what's coming next in 2014? Uh, Next we have um, the 2014 English film Pride, which is about um, uh, AIDS activists kind of teaming up with coal miners, the coal miners' union, so uh, in the 1980s. And it's a lovely beautiful film so i'm excited to kind of again change the pace and yeah slightly different um, a little lighter look at something more uplifting <laughs> yes absolutely murdered murder sex <laughs> yes i'm definitely looking forward to that too that should be fun so until then in two weeks uh manish how can they find you and your work online uh, you can find me at the Manish eighty nine. That's T H E M A N I S H eighty nine. Also at talkfilmsociety.com where you can cast my writing. 
Yes, you can catch my writing there too. This is a Talk, Talk Film Society podcast. Um, so follow them at Talk Film SOC. Follow me at Dave A. Giannini, G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. And follow the show at We're and Now Pod. And we'll see you in two weeks when we talk about...